From the Financial Times in London, I'm Martin Arnold, Banking Editor, and this is FT News. The sell-off in bank shares and debt that we've seen over the past couple of weeks has continued, with some of the biggest banks in the world seeing their share prices fall again on Tuesday. Joining me to discuss this is Simon Peters, Portfolio Manager at Algebris, a specialist investor in bank shares and debt, and Tom Hale, our Capital Markets Correspondent. Let me start by asking Simon, what is driving all this? There's no one particular point, but nonetheless, I think the market's got itself into a bit of a pickle here. The market has noticed that growth is weakening, GDP is weakening, oil has clearly fallen substantially from $100 to $30, and banks do have loans out to the oil sector. There have been a number of regulatory issues, especially surrounding 81 coupons, whether banks can actually pay those coupons or not. And I think what's been happening is as a number of these things have come together, essentially you've had the uh, investors almost try and replay 2008-2009, where clearly owning banks were not good for a portfolio's health. And so really it's a case of shoot now or rather sell your banks now and see if there's a problem later. Now, I take a different view on that, which is essentially that uh, actually Europe's growing reasonably well. Unemployment's coming down to a low since 2011. Capital ratios are two to four times what they were in 2008. So the bank sector is much stronger. Core X to tier one ratios, which is what really we look at as a sort of portfolio manager, they're at about 11%, which is, as I said, two to four times what they were in 08 and very comparable to the US now. So you are going against the main tide of markets recently on banks, and you think that actually there's a lot of misunderstanding driving this. Can we just address the particular point of AT1s or COCOs, these kind of hybrid debt instruments that convert into equity when a bank starts to get into trouble or when a bank's capital falls below a certain level? Why have we seen a big sell-off in this market? What is causing all this? Well, these are a new instrument, the AT1s, and as soon as capital goes down below a preset limit, these AT1s convert into equity. And they haven't been tested before, but with, uh, I think, a number of things happening in the last few weeks, we're having a reassessment of growth within Europe, but also whether some of these COCOs will convert. And because Deutsche Bank, for example, made a large loss in Q4 of this year, a lot of it was a write-down of goodwill and doesn't actually affect its capital ratios. Nonetheless, that brought it to the fore where investors started thinking, would Deutsche pay coupons? And it took actually a week before Deutsche Bank then came out and said, of course, we can pay coupons and here are our reserves. And they disclosed this. But until that point, investors started, in a way, panicking about whether they would be getting their coupons or whether they'd be converted. And that was really a misunderstanding as far as how much capital these banks actually have, which is really quite high. Just to play devil's advocate for a minute, Simon, I mean, you could say that with negative interest rates across a lot of Europe, concerns about the outlook for global economic growth and the fears that central banks have you know, run out of bullets to fire in this battle and the feeling that in Europe in particular, we still haven't completed the journey on building bank balance sheets to the strength that we would like them to be that some of these new instruments, which, as you said, are untested, there could be some accidents along the way, especially if the global economy continues to slow down and we see uh, increasingly difficult climate for banks. In fact, I'm going to flip that on its head and actually say, well, you've just had six really tough years that included a double-dip recession in Europe. And this is when the banks actually only had maybe 3 4 or 5% core equity tier one, 
And what you've seen over the last five years, when, for example, in 2011, 2012, we did have a recession in Europe, these banks were still putting on a lot of capital, and they've now built that up to 11, 12, 13% core equity tier ones, even from that point. So although we expect the economy to be slowing from here, if you look at the US, it's still likely to grow 1.5% to 2% this year. And Europe is still likely to grow between 1% and 1.5% this year. So although we think there's still some journey to go on regulatory capital, pretty much we are 90% done, whereas only three, four years ago, we were really 50% done. Now, I've given a very generic version there. Out of, say, 60, 70 large banks in Europe, we would say, you know, there are 65 pretty strong banks with decent capital, but there are still banks that do need a bit more work. And mostly those are the small banks that haven't really done that much since the crisis to resolve themselves. But all the household names have been building capital up very fast indeed. The investment banks, although we in the market and the media like to talk about them a lot because they're very well known, actually they're a relatively small part of the banking industry. So yes, Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse, UBS, even the Barclays have their issues in that they still got to delever and they are actually furthest away from actually completing their journey. It feels like they've got three or four more years to really get up to those sort of levels where, for example, Lloyd's is or some of the retail banks in continental Europe already are. But you're saying that this sell-off is creating a buying opportunity. Are you seeing investors in the US and elsewhere coming in and picking up bargains in the debt markets for bank debt and also equity? I would say selectively, yes. But clearly, a lot of people have been selling for the last six, seven weeks. And it'll take them several weeks or several months really to come back to the market. But what we are seeing over the last two weeks are really those people who've got an allocation of money that they can put into the markets now, and they are doing that. And we've seen some inflows as well at our firm. And you can see that's the sort of greed and fear argument working at play, where people see that there's really an opportunity now. And you really do have to explain every single piece of the pie, as it were, about growth, about oil, about capital, about these regulatory issues. But when they hear about that and they get comfort behind those issues, they are prepared to put money into the sector now, both on the credit side and the equity side. Simon, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Very interesting comments. So over to you, Tom. What's your analysis of why this particular 81 Cocos market has been so volatile recently? Well, I think one of the most interesting things about the 81 market is the fact that these bonds straddle this no man's land between debt and equity. Part of the confusion and chaos in the market has been around the fact that it's quite difficult to categorize them. And from a market's perspective, they're not placed in major indices. So when there's huge selling pressure, there isn't that natural buying demand from the big indices that are such a big part of global financial markets now. So this is one of the explanations for why some of these bonds are trading at such distressed levels. Often, in certain cases, for example, Santander, where there's been no major news around the bank, but the shares have been selling off and the 81 bonds have been following the shares down. So there's been a lot of confusion in the market about why the sell-off has been so ferocious. Why does this matter, Tom? I mean, you know, we heard Simon talking about how this is an untested market. Why are these securities important in the whole issue of bank security and solidity? I think there's two big points there. One is that they're a very new asset class and they're a potentially a kind of canary in the coal mine asset class. They might provide indications about kinds of risk in the banking system that other asset classes traded in financial markets don't necessarily provide that trade very differently. I think the second and more important point is that 81 bonds 
and this point extends across the gamut of bank debt, which has been transformed post-crisis. 81 bonds have been created by regulators to transfer risk from governments and taxpayers to institutional investors in financial markets. And if the market is kind of struck down by these levels of volatility and chaos and people can't issue anymore, that solution, that cure for the crisis and the loss of taxpayer money during the crisis doesn't work anymore. We've got tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of issuance to come from European and global banks on the AT1 side. And currently, it doesn't look like they'll be able to issue. Thanks very much. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy the FT's Banking Weekly. You can find this every Tuesday at ft.com slash podcasts. 